Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Bible Study Podcast. For the last several episodes, we've been looking into the subject of the precipice of prophecy, having to do with what the Bible says about the last days. This was to go along with the release of my book, The 50 Final Events in World History. And I hope that you've gotten that book or that you will order it. It's available wherever you can find books or at my website, robertjmorgan.com. I believe that if there was ever a generation that should understand the book of Revelation, it is those of us who are alive on earth now, because the times have never been so urgent and the coming of the Lord has never been so soon. But today, I want to begin now a new series of podcasts called Whatever Happens. And this is based on a study of the book of Philippians, the little letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This is everyone's favorite letter at some time or another, because it is so encouraging in so many ways. And in that letter, Paul said to the Philippians, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this series of podcasts will be called Whatever Happens, and we will be studying Philippians. But to study Philippians, you don't begin in the book of Philippians. You begin in the book of Acts, because the book of the Acts of the Apostle gives us the background and the backdrop for the study of the book of Philippians. So that's where we want to be today. And if you have your Bibles, if you're where you can open your Bible and study along with me, our chapter is 16, chapter 16 of the book of Acts, and our key verses will be 6 through 10. So today's study is called, Whatever Happens, Let God Guide You. And the text Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. You may know that I grew up in Carter County, Tennessee, in the town of Elizabethton, and with a cabin in my dad's hometown of Roan Mountain a few miles away. And we still keep that house in our family, and it's alongside the Appalachian Trail, at the base of one of the most beautiful spots on earth, the Roan Mountain Ridge, towers about 6,200 feet above sea level, and there is still a lot of speculation as to how this great mountain ridge that we call the Rhone, R-O-A-N, the Rhone, got its name. The most likely explanation may be that it's covered with beautiful rhododendron bushes, which makes it the largest natural rhododendron gardens on earth. And when the blossoms come out in mid-June, People from all over the world come to see them. But there is another theory, 
as to how the Rhone got its name, and this was the one I was told as I grew up. It involves Daniel Boone. It said that when he was exploring this area, he was on a Rhone-colored horse, and his horse became lame up in those high altitudes, and Boone left the horse there, and he himself became lost. A year later, he visited again, and his horse was fat and sleek and as healthy as could be, and so he named the mountain for the color of his horse, Roan. And it's also said that when Daniel Boone was asked if he had ever gotten lost on the mountain, he replied, I have never been lost, but I was bewildered once for three days. Well, as I look back over my life with its mountains and valleys and its summers and winters, I can say that as a follower of Christ, I have never been lost, but there have been times when I have often been bewildered. The way is not always as clear as we might expect it to be. I wonder if any of you have been bewildered by life for three days, or three weeks, or three months, or maybe three years. What about three decades? Do you ever feel that you're not quite sure that you're supposed that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or that you're doing what God intends for you to be doing. Why is that? I mean, after all, if God designed the universe, which is filled with more gigantic stars than there are grains of sand on earth, can he not design our lives? If he can guide the tiny hummingbird with its 600-mile twice-annual journey across the Gulf of Mexico, can he not guide us? Well, yes, he can and he does. But sometimes his guidance is very perplexing. And sometimes we are bewildered for three days or three months or three years. I want to show you this paragraph in the book of Acts that really deals with that It's one of the most instructive scriptures in all of God's Word about how He guides and leads and directs His children. It's this paragraph having to do with the second missionary tour of St. Paul the Apostle, and so let's read it. Acts 16, beginning with verse number 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to go and to leave at once for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, this is a very interesting paragraph. Sir William Ramsey, who studied the life of Paul for decades and became one of the most respected scholars on the book of Acts and on the life of Paul, said, This is, in many respects, the most remarkable paragraph in the book of Acts. 
Well, let's look at the background of it. In Acts chapter 13, a man named Barnabas was leading the growing church in the city of Antioch, which was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. It was way north of Jerusalem in the area known as Syria. And he needed help, and so he recruited Saul of Tarsus, who was also named Paul. And the two of them worked in Antioch, and it was there that they were first sent out as the first church-sponsored missionary team in history. They went to Cyprus, to that island, and on into what we would call today southern Turkey. And along the way, they had some problems, including the fact that their assistant, John Mark, a relative of Barnabas, deserted them and returned home. Well, they finished their missionary journey. They went back to Antioch. And look at Acts 15, beginning with verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them at Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Now, the term sharp disagreement is very strong in the original Greek. They had a terrible, prolonged, knockdown, drag out argument. And it says that Barnabas took Paul and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Well, at the beginning of chapter 16, Paul and Silas came to the cities that Paul had visited in what we now call Southeast Turkey. And he discovered that his prior visit had resulted in the conversion of a young man named Timothy, who joined him in silence. And so now there were three travelers in southeastern Turkey, and they began going through Asia Minor, that is modern-day Turkey, the whole nation, east to west, in front of them. But as they pressed through the area, across that great expanse, for some reason, Every door closed to them for the preaching of the gospel. Every option was forbidden. Every opportunity was denied them. And day after day, they were not lost, but they were bewildered. Where does God want us to go? What does he want us to do? Why in this long journey of months and months can we find nowhere open or get any permission from God to preach. I mean, that brings us back to this paragraph in chapter 16, verse 9. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been prevented by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. In other words, this team of three, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, pressed westward, through the interior of Turkey or Asia Minor, but the Holy Spirit prevented them from evangelizing. Now, how he did this, we aren't told. It may be that Paul could have been sick, that he was too ill to preach. It could have been that he was warned in a dream or by a revelation not to preach. 
It could be that he simply had an inward impression that kept him from preaching. It could be that political situations prevented the evangelization. But it must have been very perplexing to him. Here he was, prepared, eager, on a mission to preach among people who needed the gospel, but the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Since they couldn't preach in one area, they tried to go into another area, but the Spirit of Jesus said no. Verse 8, they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now, if you study this on a map, it is a long way. The total distance from their point of origin and Antioch in Syria to Troas, which is on the Aegean Sea, is over a thousand miles. And Paul was trying to follow the will of God. And there was simply one door closed after another for whatever reason. He was perplexed. He kept trying to find a way forward, and the Lord kept saying, no. And finally, look at what happened in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia was over in northern Greece, what we would call today northern Greece. It is in what we would call today Europe. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. Now notice that. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So finally, when Paul had gone as far as he could with nothing but frustrations and closed doors, he came to the shore of the ocean that separates modern Asia from modern Europe. And as he tossed and turned in the night, trying to make sense of what he was supposed to do, he was aroused to see a figure of a man in the room hovering there, a man from northern Greece. And this man from Macedonia said, please, we need the gospel. Come over to Europe and help us. And now something very subtle happens. Suddenly, the writer of the book of Acts, that is the beloved physician Luke, is there beside Paul, and the narrative changes to we. Up to this point in Paul's first and second missionary journey, it was they went here and they went there. But now all of a sudden, with the Macedonian call, Paul has Luke beside him, and Luke says, we went to Philippi. According to the early church historian Eusebius, Luke was from Antioch, but there was a respect in medical school in Philippi. And could it be that Luke himself, the beloved physician, was in Philippi and that he was the man from Macedonia? William Ramsey believes that Luke was the man of Macedonia. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, there is mystery in this passage, and you can read all of the theories and explanations, and I don't have the answers. I don't know who the Macedonian man was. It could have been Luke. 
it certainly is coincidental that suddenly he shows up and goes with Paul on the rest of this journey. But all I can tell you is that Paul was never lost, but he had been bewildered for about three months and hundreds of miles. Instead of opening doors, the Lord was closing them one after another. And in this way, he led Paul and Silas and Timothy to the Macedonian call, gave him a helper named Luke, and sent him westward into Europe with the gospel rather than eastward into Asia. And that changed history. Now, that's the story. What can we learn about this as it involves our own journeys in life? I've got four lessons for you. Number one, God's will for our lives is sometimes perplexing, and that's why we walk by faith. God's will for our lives is sometimes perplexing. We don't always know the way that he is taking us, and that's why we have to walk by faith. We don't always understand why we feel shut out or why we encounter one closed door after another. But part of the reason is that he is teaching us to walk by faith. When I graduated from graduate school at Wheaton in 1976, I drove right back home to Roan Mountain. Honestly, I didn't even stay for graduation. And I started looking for a church to pastor and to prepare for my wedding to Katrina that fall. There were so many little churches in the mountains needing a pastor, and I visited many of them, and some of them interviewed me, and they were all more or less nice to me, but none of them wanted to hire me. I was turned down one church after another. Katrina and I were married, and I didn't have a job, and so we both got jobs at retail stores, and we were interviewed by, I think it was 12 different congregations, and each one of them said no for an entire year, literally the first entire year of our marriage, every door closed. And we were so perplexed by that. But then, on our first wedding anniversary, a little country church outside of Greenville, Tennessee, sounded a Macedonian call and said, come over here and help us. And in the years since then, in all of these years, we have been as thankful as we could be for the 12 closed doors and for the one door that finally opened. Now, that's just a lesson into how the Lord leads us. We don't always understand the way, and we are often bewildered. The will of God can be bewildering at times, and why is it? that God leads us through closed doors more than through open ones. But after all, there may be 10,000 things he does not want us to do, but only one that he does. And so we accept all of this and we walk by faith, even though at times the way and the will of God is mysterious. Here's the second lesson. God's will for our lives is progressive, and that's why we keep nudging on doors. Look at verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. They tried. They tried one thing after another. They knocked on doors. They nudged on doors. But only the right one finally opened. 
Now, the Lord knew exactly where he wanted them to go. He could have told them from the very beginning, go straight to Troas and there you'll get the Macedonian call. But he didn't do that. And I don't fully understand why. All that I know is that that's also the way that life has worked for me. If we're too passive in seeking the Lord's will, we never knock on any doors. If we are too aggressive, we try to push open doors that the Lord may not want us to go through. And so I've learned the best approach is to knock softly or to nudge gently against any door of opportunity. And if it opens, praise the Lord. And if it doesn't, praise the Lord. God guides us step by step progressively. Here's the third lesson. God's will for our lives is premeditated, and that's why we stay positive. The most remarkable thing about this paragraph, and you have to read it closely or you'll miss it, is the full involvement of the Trinity. I don't know how to explain it, but the Lord was not just somehow casually leading Paul and his companions along a puzzling pathway. The entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there together collaborating to synchronize everything perfectly. Let's look at this again, and I'll show you. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. There's the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. There is Jesus. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, they got ready at once to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called them. And whenever you see the word God by itself in the New Testament, the Greek word theos, it is inevitably a reference to God the Father. God the Father called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. God the Son planned the route, and God the Holy Spirit guided them down this unknown path from one step to the next. This was a plan born from eternity past, and all of the Trinity is involved in leading you in your life today. God the Father plans it. God the Son guides the way. God the Holy Spirit implements it day by day. And it's a wonderful thing to know this. In the first volume of my series of books called Then Sings My Soul, I told the story of how Joseph Gilmore wrote the hymn, He Leadeth Me. His father was the governor of New Hampshire, and it was during the dark days of the Civil War that Joseph graduated from seminary and was trying to find his way in a world of chaos and in a divided nation. He was asked to speak at a midweek service in a church in Philadelphia, and he gave a talk about the 23rd Psalm. He didn't get past the words, He leadeth me. Joseph talked about the wonderful guidance that God gives us even in perilous times, and he later said that the words of the hymn came to him immediately afterwards, and he wrote them down, and they say, he leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me.
I can't tell you how many times I've sung that song as my own testimony. God leads us in a premeditated path, and so we follow him carefully. And finally, God's will for our lives is purposeful, and that's why we cannot stop. Paul and his handful of fellow travelers made it to Troas. They saw the man from Macedonia, met the beloved physician Luke, and crossed over to modern-day Europe and brought the gospel to the city of Philippi. They simply could not and would not stop. At age 70, I've been looking back over my life and the doors that I really wanted to open when I was younger did not. But other doors that I could never have imagined did open. And I can look back now and see that it was all in the purposeful providence and guidance of the Lord. And that's why I cannot stop and I will not stop and neither will you. We may sometimes be bewildered for three days as the disciples were on the weekend of the Lord's crucifixion. But remember that Sunday dawned and clarity came because whatever happens, the child of God learns to seek the Lord's will and to follow him, for he leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Well, thank you for digging with me today into the riches of the Bible. Remember to check out my website, robertjmorgan.com. All of our resources are there. And please pass this podcast and the information about it along to others as we study the Bible together. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio uh, editing and engineering by Jared Brummett. Print editing and blog posting by Sherry Anderson, Luke Tyler, and Carson Outlaw. Music is by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. And look for the transcript of this podcast soon on the blog post at my website, robertjmorgan.com, where you will also find many other resources. Thank you for listening, my friends, and may God be with you until we meet again.